The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Sheriff Jack Campbell, good morning to you. How are you? Good morning. Great to be here. We're often running in the summer season. Is it more of a challenge uh, for the sheriff's department, or law enforcement in general? People out more, like to be outside parties, uh, probably a little more prevalent pop-up parties in Springfield than it might be in the county, but uh, it, it creates a whole different dynamic, does it not? It does. Um, all of law enforcement across the board, once it gets hot like this, again, the, the temperatures flare. Some people drink a little bit too much. You know, they're trying to get cooled down, but they're drinking alcohol, which is the wrong thing to do. Right. Um, and yes, it, it becomes problematic in, in a lot of areas for all of law enforcement. Uh, what's it like? How were your numbers like as far as officers and people? What are you, are you looking for anybody? Um, currently, we're fully staffed. Um, and, and ironically, we just posted uh, we're going to we're going to contract with DCFS now, and uh, they're going to hire uh, two new deputies. So these will be new to our headcount. Um, to kind of go assist them. We know the tragedy that happened in Thayer, um, and, and so they're wanting somebody with them all the time. So this is a new venture for us, but we are fully staffed. I've got uh, three in training right now, and then eventually we're going to hire two more for DCFS. Let's remind everybody what the requirements are to be a deputy in Sangamon County. High school diploma. You know, we when I took office, I saw what was coming, and, and uh, you know, we had had a, a bachelor's degree requirement. Um, but if you have a high school diploma, um, and, and certainly the military, we welcome the military to come in. They make great cops, um, and that's all you need, you know, clean background and be able to pass a physical agility test. How often do you work with the city or the state? Is that common, whether it be an accident on the highway or whatever the case might be? Every, almost every shift every day. Usually the really? city, yeah, or, or Chatham or Rochester. You know, we, we work with all the, the municipalities in Simon County, and, and certainly out on the, uh, on the highway, we may come across something that will contact the state police and, and – <laughs> You know, we work very well together. I It doesn't really matter. We, we realize we all need each other now, so um, there's never any problems, you know, with jurisdiction or anything. We're there, we're there to help each other. Sheriff Association, is there a lot of different viewpoints when you folks all get together? Is there a, a different, let's say, between what the sheriff department challenges north of Interstate 80 and south of Interstate 80? There's really not. I sit on the really? legislative committee uh, for the Sheriff's Association, and we meet, you know, um, about every other month or so here in Springfield. And there's really not. We all have the same problem. You know, we don't hear from Cook County. That's clearly a whole other issue up there with Sheriff Dart. Uh, but all the rest of us, um, all, you know, we kind of commiserate together and, and, and talk about the challenges, talk about, you know, recruitment, retention, uh, jail population, you know, issues like that. And it seems to be the same across the board. Are the schools in the county as vigilant uh, as the city appears to be with not necessarily metal detectors, but I'm sure everybody's notched it up a little bit with what's been happening, especially down in Ubaldi, Texas. They really are. I mean, you know, they're required to have a school safety plan, and, and historically we work with them. We send deputies into the schools uh, to go over their plan with them, and, and our tactical team will train in the schools around the county. And, and years ago when I was training the tactical team, we, we got into every uh, county school, and we had blueprints for all of them just in case something would break out. They do a, a great job. I'm really uh, – proud of them for for taking that stance and and you know doing what they need to do to protect the kids sheriff jack campbell visiting with us it is 13 minutes past the hour on a tuesday flag day um were you in the military i apologize i was not i was not and i think i think sam that's one of the reasons you know my grandfather was a world war ii veteran sure and um uh you know i think when i when he passed away and uh i, I remember you know that they had the, the flag draped coffin and and it hit me between the eyes you know right. i was working out at uh, borden chemical which became formosa 
And I decided that I'm just, you know, I, I think that was my calling. My dad was a deputy, and, and I really thought, you know, I want a flag on my coffin one day. And it's kind of a strange thing to say, but I, it meant a lot to me to, the, to watch my grandfather's service, and, and, and I decided I was going to do something to help out. When you talk uh, to the sheriff of Christian County, mm-hmm. uh, are they facing the same problems, even though we are contiguous and so on? Are they the same problems that uh, Sheriff Kettlecamp's facing over there that you face here? Or hers a little is a little different. They have actually a worse problem, and I won't speak specifically for Christian County yeah. and Sheriff Kettlecamp, but I talk to the southern sheriffs quite a bit. They told me they've had deputy openings where they received zero applicants, and that is that. I think that's our fear in law enforcement that. You know, our, our number of applicants keep going down and down. Now, here locally, luckily, with the lateral transfer program, we have a, a, a real high number of quality. You know, the quality is way up, even if the quantity is down. But the rural sheriffs, and, and talking to Sheriff Kettlecamp just here about a week ago, um, he told me they're still struggling with, with um, filling some openings. And, and uh, you know, it's something that, again, I think the more rural the county, the, the worse the problem. And both men and women, I mean, there's, okay, what do you hear? Why do not men and women, young men, young women, want to go into law enforcement? Are they just afraid, concerned of what's going on socially in our country? You know, I, I think it's all over the board. I think that, um, you know, they see the national narrative. They see, you know, the assaults on the officers are up. But even if you look at, of course, this in 2021, the number of deaths, uh, officers killed in line of duty was way up. But, uh, you know, there for a while, that number was dropping, the number of deaths in, in line of duty. But the assaults were way up. And Sam, what was happening was, the, the medical profession was saving our lives. You know, we were being assaulted at a higher rate, but the medical professionals are so good, they were saving us. So um, I think that's one of the issues that, um, you know, the money, they think, why would I do this for that kind of money? Why, you know, why would I put my, my life on the line? And, you know, the hours we work, uh, the horrific things that we see, um, it, it causes a lot of stress in your life, you know, and I'm blessed to have a, a wife of 37 years has put up with my entire career and, and uh, but she knows what I go through and, and what all cops go through. So I think it's something that just it, the, the trade off is not worth it. How about working in the jail? I would think that has to be one of the more challenging jobs in the world. Uh, I can't even imagine. Now, every, as a teacher, you, there might be every once in a while a class you dreaded mm-hmm. to go into. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine there's many good days when you're a jailer or something at the Sangamon County Jail. You know, I'm so proud of all of them at the jail. You know, through the pandemic, um, to this day, we're still wearing masks in the jail. Really? It's required by the executive order. Um, yeah, a congregate setting like that. Um, you know, Superintendent Beck has done a great job of managing. Um, we stage inmates as they come into our custody and ensure they're they're not uh, infected. But, no, it, the, the job of a correctional officer in Salmon County is a very tough one. Now, again, there's a lot of overtime op- opportunities and, and – uh, uh, in the end, I think they do pretty well financially, but it's still a tough job. It's, you know, it's concrete and steel. It's 350 inmates that don't want to be there. Um, oh. Always the the threat of maybe being assaulted. Um, again, long hours. And it's just, I, I can't tell you, again you know, how much I appreciate them uh, in the job they do. 350, what's capacity? 314. So what's the most you ever had in the jail? Oh, back in the, I was on the warrant team from 2000 to 2004. I think we were running over 400 often. We were even looking at retrofitting the jail with, with more bunks, trying to figure out how we're going to house everybody. And that's when we got together with the county board and we started the, the criminal justice uh, council where we have the judges, public defenders, state's attorney, uh, city police come over. And we all started talking about the head count and figuring out a way to get them moving 
through the system faster. And it's brought that headcount way down. And, and, you know, under 350 is a manageable number. We don't want that many, but it's manageable. Without names, what's the longest anybody has been in county jail that's still there? It's still there. I think we're in about the four-year range. Oh, um, my The gosh. longest I can remember is about seven years. So some of these homicide cases, you know, the the suspect will continue to fire their attorney. Um, they will, they will you know, delay the trial. You know, we have to bring them to trial within 120 days. But they, the suspects, delay this and, and put it up, kick it down the road as far as they can, and and uh, hopes of maybe I don't know that, that witnesses move on or there's something that comes up that can that can give them a chance to be set free. But yeah, that's a long time. Well, with the number of people there, and some of those have to have gang affiliations. Many of them do. How do you address that? How do you how do you oversee that and making sure that? that doesn't carry over into the county jail. Well, we have a classification office that looks for things like that. We okay. look for gang affiliations. The other thing we have to balance out is that people are, are defendants in, in the same case where we don't want them together. Oh, my. Uh, so we are constantly juggling, constantly moving people around, uh, trying to keep people separate from each other, make sure gangs don't get into a war in the jail. And, and so it's it's a constant uh, uh, massaging of the, of the, the headcount. How about communication with the outside world? I mean, can you cut that off, or is there a constitutional aspect? Of no, that? no, they they have plenty of contact. Um, you know, by by email now, by phone. Um, we don't the in person visitations. We only allow for minor children. Um, again, part of this was COVID, but it's also we're doing video visitation now, so we have a place for them to come in and and. And they can they can call up to the to their loved one in the jail and and, uh, and they can do a video visitation. So you know that's yeah that's that's something we have to do. Educationally, can they take classes while they're in county jail? You know uh, they can. Um, you know we we've again during COVID we changed a lot. Of things. Sure. We even stopped the um, we had an AA program up there. The jail ministry got got shut down for a little while, but we brought that back and and we're 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 working on in, uh, increasing the AA program again. And, and so there's. There's an opportunity for them if they want to. Do you think there are people up there that have just resigned themselves to the fact they're going to be incarcerated for most of their life? They've just, uh, there's a, a name I'm not going to mention, but a guy I know that is now in federal prison and told me after about his third or fourth stand, nothing violent, always stupid stuff. But he said, I've resigned myself, Sam. I'm going to be in prison the rest of my life. It's just, that is my status in life and I've accepted it. I think there is. I think it's a despair. Um, you know, it's it's a poverty of dignity sometimes that they that they just have become accustomed to it and it become institutionalized and they don't they don't they don't have the dreams that we had that our parents taught us. Some of them, and it's sad. You know, it's it's you know I stop and talk to them in the jail every now and then, and there's there's good people in there that made a mistake. Um, and, and I yes, I remind my staff all the time is that you know they're they're human beings. Um, yes, sometimes they act out and everything, but I think there is that that level of I have no hope and that all that is it created more problem for us too. When there's no hope, why do they care what they do? Dangerous situation working in there. You say you do the best you can to have maybe not go in by themselves or so. It seems to me like every time there's an incident though, Mm -hmm. we tend to hear that it was the jail's fault. Mm -hmm. We don't ever say, you know, maybe we got some bad people in there who are causing problems. We immediately as a society and not all, but some media as a society, okay, how did the jail screw this up for this to happen? Right. It's, it's very frustrating um, that, that, that the individuals are never held accountable. No, You know, they, we, and, and without mentioning cases, you know, we have had several over the years that we were trying to help these people. And 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 it, somehow it gets to court into a lawsuit, and it, they lose track of what we were really doing. They start getting 
uh, hyper-focused on, on maybe the exact incident, the exact moment where a tragedy happened versus what led up to it. What, right. what were point. they doing and what were we trying to do? Do you ever get frustrated? Yeah, I do. I, I do. Again, how do you how do you keep it positive? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes it's in your DNA. You, you, Sam, I love my job. Okay, I, I love what I do. Um, and and it's frustrating again. Uh, but it doesn't. We just get up every day and win the day. That is my goal. Is that um, I, I I'm up early. I try to get to work early. Um, and, and take on the the challenges of that day. But the frustration's there because again, we never get to really tell our story. We never, you know, we're limited initially. You know, uh, you know, how come you won't talk to us? Well, we know the potential for a lawsuit's there. So you don't want to go out on and say something that, you know, you're, you're just trying to tell them what happened, but it's used against you later on. And it's it, the, the public, I think most of the public understands that we're here trying to help these individuals. But you always have some uh, people um, in certain segments of society that will try to exploit this, that will, that will again, hyper-focus on something that, um, that end up happening but they forget about what we were trying to accomplish. From your perspective, uh, a law enforcement sheriff, knowing people, are you concerned about the future of our country? I am really concerned. Okay, um, you know, I we, we look at now with these the school tragedies and and the you know the attempts to blame the gun rather than hold individuals responsible. You know, we have a we have a mental health problem, we have a violence problem, we have a behavioral problem. And yet they're trying to fix it by taking away guns, which is a constitutional right. You know, we, we, we give up that right. What else do we give up? What is the next right that it's okay to, to infringe upon? And I don't think that this is, well, I know this is not the answer. You know, it is not the gun's fault. You know, after 9-11, we didn't ban airplanes. You know, there, there's individuals that need to be held accountable. We need to lock people up when they commit crimes. We need to take people that have mental health issues and get them the help they need um, and, and, and stop blaming the implements. You were telling me that when you were a young man, uh, to have a gun in your vehicle, not necessarily a handgun, mm-hmm. but was pretty common. Yeah. You know, out in, and, uh, you know, rural parts of Salmon County. And I was, I went to high school in Eliopolis and, and, you know, hunting was a way of life. You know, we, we hunted constantly and there was times we hunted before school and it was, it wasn't even a, a thought that we had, we'd put the guns in, in the trunks of our cars and, and because we were not going to use them improperly. We, and sometimes we went hunting after school. So you'd, hunt before and then as soon as school is over we went hunting again it's just it was that it's a rural mentality and and the, the rural community has a tendency to have more guns you know over 40 percent of of americans own guns i mean that's that's you know well over 100 million people own guns in this country so it it is our culture and it's something that that 99.9 percent of them use them safely in the way they should be it's the people that obtain them and use them illegally need to be held accountable for it and you know we arrest people now that you'll see they had you know, nine gun charges and zero convictions. You know, that doesn't make any sense to me how that can even happen. So it's, we need to start holding people accountable for their actions. Does the judicial system have some responsibility in this? It does. It does. Um, and I think Dan Wright does a great job of prosecuting. And, you know, before him, you know, John Milheiser, I think those guys did a great job of it. Um, and, and again, you don't see here in Simon County some of the problems you see throughout the state and throughout the country. Um, but yes, the, the, the system is failing. Um, and, and look, I realize it's complicated. You know, we can only have so many people in prison and it, it takes a lot to take every case to trial if somebody chooses to, to fight it. So it's, it's a, it's a complicated issue, but, um, it's something we have to be persistent on. 
Simon County Sheriff Jack Campbell visiting with us. We'll take a uh, gasoline prices. Do you have to cut back on the patrols a little bit? Is something uh, that you have to address? Well, we're aware of it. And, you know, I looked at March of 21, we paid $16,000, over $16,000 for a fuel bill. March 22 is 27000 and has continued to rise. But no, so far, Sam, look, we have an obligation to get out into that county, and there's only one way to get out there. Um, you know, we, we on occasion, will we, we started making some phone calls. If somebody in, in Buckhart had a, a mailbox ran over, um, and we think it's going to be a while before we get out there, we may call them and do that report over the phone. But it's important for us to get out there into the county, um, and it just costs money. This is a cost doing business. Isn't it? I see a couple communities that simply can't find anybody, <laughs> so they're disbanding their local law enforcement. Mm-hmm. Some communities here in Sangamon County. Mm-hmm then you're the next guys up, are you not? We are. We are responsible for what we've seen now. Um, you know, there's no, none of the police departments have shut down for many, many years. Eliopolis actually was the last one to, to shut its doors. But we see now they're not, they don't have 24-hour coverage. Right. So so that usually if like from 3 a.m. to 7 a.m., 8 a.m. Is, is an empty window. And there's some other empty windows in there too. But we're, we're handling thousands of calls in municipalities a year um, now because they don't have 24-hour coverage. So that's, that's taxing on our body, uh, on our staff, and, and we're going to have to address that if it continues this way. What role do you play at the Sangamon County Fair? We are the security force for the fair. Um, on well, the grounds or off the grounds? On the grounds. On the grounds. Yep. Um, outside, you know, you've got uh, New Berlin Police Department. you got Secretary sure. of State comes out there. ISP helps out. But in the, on the grounds, it's going to be us. Um, and we do this every year. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's gonna, it looks like the weather, uh, may be a factor here. That, oh, I'm uh, sure. If the heat's up, it's going to be a problem for us. It, and you know, it's just something we've, we've learned to deal with over the years. I see in non-state fair events, um, mm-hmm. like the truck show mm-hmm. and so on, uh, the Springfield mile, I see a Sangman County squad cars, uh, on the fairgrounds, mm-hmm. uh, doing patrolling and security. Are, are those assigned or is that? Off-duty guys and well, gals. A couple things here. That's our jurisdiction year-round, well, right. except sure for during is. the fair. Yes. So the ISP takes over during the fair because it's too big for us. Right. But we do a lot of um, non-fair events out there. And actually, recently, we're working with the Department of Agriculture. Um, we have a car out there constantly to help them with um, problems around the track. And, and uh, it actually has also to do with um, uh, the, the people that lease the stalls. Um, they've asked us to help check on people to make sure they're paying their their lease they have identification card if they're paid up to date and everything sure we recently contracted with them uh, as they're actually going to hire a full-time person to do it but we're doing it for them right now so that's so you have a person out there on the fairgrounds yes it's it's uh four days a week okay yep for four to six hours a day and, and again they're just kind of making sure that people aren't there that shouldn't be there very good. Oh, hey, always good to see you. Thanks for coming Great in. To be here. How's Thank things you. in Iliopolis? You got it under control? We're doing good. Doing well. Uh-huh. My, yep. The, the girls are out of school. So good my softball program got, there, of course. They girls do. Brad's party down Tri City. Uh, and well, we, what a job he does. We're just a, a couple a couple hits away from getting to that to that big game one of these years. So it's we we go to all the games. We're we're uh, we're big supporters and, and very proud of all. How's the it. gentleman? We were out there in the winter for the guy that's putting houses together, yeah. and he's got that. Uh, Piece of land in Iliopolis. I apologize, uh, his last Italian gentleman. I should know it. Like, Cusimano, yeah. yeah, and so help me out. How are they doing on that? They're doing well. Um, are they? They actually. It's, I live in the subdivision that he's he's developing and, and bought a bunch of lots on the north side of our subdivision, and uh, they got a couple houses built and sold over there, and he's got a duplex he built up near his business, and, and so they're uh, they're coming along. Good yep, for yep, them. Yep. Doing hey, well. thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good, good to see you, buddy. Thanks. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.